0: Everyone, you're tuning in to Athletes Unplugged. I'm your host, Aquil Jackson. We have a very special guest tuning in. He's a really good friend of mine, 14-year NFL veteran. He is he was drafted sixth overall to the San Francisco 49ers. He's a philanthropist, he's a business owner. He is currently working as an actor. Please welcome in my good friend Vernon Davis. <laughs> you give your, you a round of applause. So Vernon, what's going on, man? How, how, how you doing, man? How how's things been? Uh, I know this pandemic hit everyone in different ways last year. How have you been able to maintain your schedule and post career?
1: Yeah, uh, it's been good, and you know, uh, despite the pandemic, uh, I know the pandemic has messed up a lot of things for a lot of people. But I have used, I've been using the time to really uh, make sure that I can get better during this time, from cooking right. kids to uh, just opening up and doing things that I've never done—from gardening, getting in the garden, planting things with the kids. Um, yeah, 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 and even pursuing uh, different uh, different things that I've been interested interest in, like acting. And uh,
0: yeah, thinking. yeah. So it's been good. No, it's funny you mentioned gardening because I feel like <laughs> I have a green thumb because I spend a lot of time in the backyard planting and watering and buying different things to keep the plants going. So, but. Let's switch gears for a second. I want to talk about, I know you've talked endlessly about, you've done other interviews, you've had, you know, different programs talk about your upbringing. Uh, Before we get into all the good stuff about, you know, your great career, let's talk about where that passion comes from. And I know you, you're a good friend of mine, so I know how important your grandmother was uh, Mm -hmm. to you and Vontae and your other siblings. So can you speak a little bit about the influence she had on your life?
1: Yeah, my grandmother was a huge influence in my life. She was everything, man. Um, uh, you know, as a kid, you're always looking, searching for that hero, that hero. She was she was our rock. Uh, we emulated her in so many ways. She always had great wisdom for us. And, right. and key to anyone having success, especially at an early age, is being able to listen. Listening is important. I used to tell my siblings that all the time. If you listen, you'll always be successful. So make sure that you pay attention. And, and it goes back to being obedient and uh, doing everything that our parents right. ask. And that's one thing Vontae and I did. Um, and to this day, my grandmother's always sharing wisdom and always giving us advice on on different things that we may go through or things that we haven't seen yet. Uh, so I make right, sure no. that I'm there paying attention to her because I know that um, she's going to continue to inspire me in so many different ways.
0: Yeah, that's awesome because uh, we have a lot a lot of similarities, a lot of commonalities when it comes to grandparents. My grandparents were a huge influence in my upbringing. I remember my grandfather, um, because he was a cook. You know, my grandmother, she took care of the kids. She was a disciplinarian, but my grandfather did all the cooking, the nurturing. It was like a reverse role type of situation. But I remember my grandfather planting the seed in my head that I could go to college, that I was smart, that I was all these different things. So. I definitely know what it is to have that great influence, especially coming from your grandparents. So, uh, let's talk about, we're going to, I'm going to jump back and forth here, but just try to stay with me. So let's talk about the football aspect, right? Like, uh, obviously you went to Dunbar, uh, high school. You're from the Washington DC area. I live here currently. Let's talk about how, you know, when did football become introduced to you and when did you take it seriously? Because I know it, when I, when I met you in college, you were this big five-star recruit. Um, mm. I'm, and I know you, and I don't know, like, how did that begin? When did that, that fire underneath you uh, realize that you could actually play the game of football at a very young age? And let's say, let's start with high school. High school. So I'm going to say the, the fire came in,
1: in 10th grade once I walked in. Because I walked in, the I didn't play football much when I was younger uh,
0: because I was always afraid of the helmet. I, you know, I was- See, I didn't know that. I didn't know that. Yeah, I was, I've known I, you forever, and I, I I did not know that.
1: That's yeah, crazy. I didn't play at all. I played one year, Pop Warner, and then I just shut it down, man, because I, like I said, I was afraid afraid of the helmet. I I guess I was a little claustrophobic as a kid. So wow, I picked back up in eighth grade, and by tenth grade, I walked into my coach's office and I said to him, I said, "Hey, can I try out?" He was like, "What position do you want to play?" I said, "I want to play
0: any." Wait, wait. So they didn't seek you out walking down the hallways. Look, you were a big ki- you were a big kid. You were like a grown man, and they didn't. Plucky you was like, hey, you need to go play football. So go ahead,
1: continue. I don't want to interrupt. Go ahead. No, 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 they <laughs> didn't. They um I actually walked in. I I remember I went to school to play basketball, but then I learned I saw that they had they already had their starting five and, and this and that. And I learned at a very, very early age, if you're if you're not making noise at a young age, and you probably your chances of has, having success is going to be slim to none. So I I walked into coaches, Coach Jeffrey's office and I said, Hey, can I p- play? Um, I want to try out. He said, well, position. I said, anything that has to do with t- uh, uh, making touchdowns. Uh, okay, okay. He put me in tight end, and I uh, went out there. Josh Cribbs was out there, Daryl Diary, and I was oh, just – Okay, running. okay.
0: Wow, that, that's amazing. I did not know that. I did not know you started playing in high school and that you had a cup of tea playing when, in the youth when you were you. So, that, that's amazing. I didn't know that, and I feel like I've known you for years. So, okay, so now you're in high school. You have – I'm sure you have a great career because you're this five – star athlete, you have a choice. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Didn't you play in the um, Army All-American game? Yeah, I did. Yep. Okay, yeah. so so for the people that don't know about this game, this game is for the, the top of the top, the cream of the crop. Mm-hmm. So you could have gone anywhere in the world to go play football. Why choose Maryland? I wanted to go to Maryland because I, I was able to
1: stay close to the ones that I loved. My grandmother, my mm-hmm. siblings, my girlfriend at the time. And um, mm-hmm. it was just... It was just easy for me to be able to get back home and and spend time with those
0: those so for me it was almost the complete opposite because i grew up in a small community which i do love nothing against that but i had never been on the airplane so when i started making these trips i went to maryland i visited nc state i visited lsu i was like man this could be the life outside of what i know so when I got to Maryland Locks, uh, shout out to Mike Locks, uh, head coach at University of Maryland right now. He sold me on the fact that if you can be successful in this area, this metropolitan area like the DMV, the D.C., Maryland, Virginia area, that, you know, when you're done playing, if if the NFL isn't in your cards, this is a place where you can reside and, and, and make a living. So I was intrigued by that. Obviously, all the other stuff, the football stuff, E.J. Henderson was here. And all that good stuff. So I had a chance to play underneath him. But I remember one—I don't know if you remember this. So when you get to Maryland, right? There was there was a uh, shout out to Deej, uh, Dwight Goat, straight, uh, Head Strength Coach at Penn State. Do you remember the first day we did? Uh, it was like Max Day, and we were benching. And I don't know if you remember this, but I remember watching your ass. You come in, you swole, and you didn't know how much you you bench pressed. Am I right or no? No, I didn't. No, okay, stop right there. Stop right there. So, okay, so you did. So they put 185 on there. So you warming up. I'm like, man, this dude throwing 85 up like it's, you know, 100 pounds. So you go through 185, 225, 275, 295, 315. Bro, you threw 315 up like it was a warm up set. All the <laughs> way up to like, what'd you get? to 425? Did you yeah, get 425? Yeah, yeah you my- were like 17, 18 years 25. old. And you throw up four twenty five, and I remember—I don't know if it was a a, a a fan club in that in that locker room, but I was one of them. I'm like, God damn! I'm like, what position does he play? I was like, I have to deal with that every day. Boy, I I'll never forget that. But I do. I, I, one other thing I won't forget is the the um, the rivalry between you and Sean Merriman. Can you please talk about that rivalry on and off the field in college? Because a lot of people aren't privy to that. If people don't know Sean Merriman, he was a top 15 pick of the draft. You were the sixth pick of the draft. Can you please talk about that, that competition between you and Sean?
1: Yeah, there was always a competitive nature with Sean and I, man. He was – yeah, I, I always wanted to be the best, so I seek the best. And, and when it came to Sean Merriman, he was the one that was making a lot of noise. He was, mm-hmm. he was always – he was always making plays. He was just a standout athlete. He was the best athlete, one of the best athletes on the team. So I always picked him out to compete with him. And, you know, I would challenge him every day until I was able no. to beat. And, you know, I lost. I, I mean, I had my fair share of losses to him, but uh, but I al- also felt like competing with him made me better. Uh, that's the only reason why I would always call him out.
0: And I didn't back down from the challenge. Yeah, no question, because I remember seeing some of them battles. I'm like, man, these dude. – I'm surprised y'all are friends right now because y'all used to go blow for blow at practice. But uh, it was – like you said, it made both of you guys better. So let's – let's so at Maryland you have a – you're an All-American. Uh, you have, in my opinion, you were underused. I thought if we threw you the ball 20, 30 times a game, we had a shot to win. And uh, I remember this game in particular. We played Florida State, and me being a Florida guy – Florida State was like the pinnacle for me. And when I saw you running through these guys, jumping over them, and them guys turning down contact because of your physical ability, I knew right then I was like, this, this young man is going to be special. Uh, so can you talk about – and I'm going I'm to I'm fast forward a little bit because I want to talk about a lot of the different things that you're doing outside of football. So can you talk about how that process when, – when you decided to leave school, Right? Did you file for a petition to NFL to see what round you were potentially going to be drafted in?
1: Yeah, I, I believe I did that. I filed to see what when you're a sophomore in, in college and you're playing ball, you can you can file, you can look, you can check and see what grade you have. Um, and I think that right. I had I had like a second round grade.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: When I was a sophomore, so June I had it went from a second round grade to a high first. Um, okay. So I, in and there, I said, if I got a high first round, if I'm going to be a high first round pick, if that's my grade, then I can easily get that down at the combine. I knew once I got to the combine, it was, you know, it was going to be, uh, um, oh, it was going to be smooth. I knew
0: it. So, so I got a fun fact for you. So, do you know? So you go to the combine, you put up amazing numbers. You run like a four-three electronic. Uh, you bench forty. So what? How How many times? How many reps did you get on the bench? Like, was it forty? 40? 30? Did you eclipse forty? 33, 33, same difference, but up you're strong, 40, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Either way, you were, rip, you, you crushed the combine. So now the draft is coming around and basically you just hit it. You just hit the NFL said you were going to be drafting the first round at, when you ran that four, three at 250, 250 some odd pounds. Uh, did you know at that moment you were going to be a top pick? Like, what, what was the conversations like between you and your agents at that point? Because I know for me, I always got a grade. I came out my senior year. Um, I always got a grade of late first round to early second. And I was drafted thirty fourth pick of the, um, of the draft, which was the second pick of the second round. But was your agent's ability to kind of figure out where you're going to be drafted? Did it come? Did you know you want to be drafted that high? Let's say that.
1: Well, I just I was just looking. I was just going based off the history of of the NFL draft, and I knew there were there had been players who had um, had second round uh, grades and and third round grades, but then after the combine, they were able to go in the go get draft picked up in the first round, right? And I knew that the the combine was really significant to uh, boosting boosting your um boosting your 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 um your stock value, you right? yeah. Boosting your you you up as far as your you, you know how people see you, how the how the sports world see you, how the coaches see you, the NFL, and it will put you in a great space to be able to get drafted a lot higher. And uh, I just I relied on that. I relied on that because I relied right. on my speed. I knew that I had the ability to go out there and run a four three, four four, and it was it was right. interesting because when I met with North North Turner when he was the the, uh, the office coordinator at the San Francisco, yeah, Portland. I don't know. I told him. I, I told him. I said, "I know you don't know no yeah. well, but I told him." Yeah. I said, "Run a 4 three. He looked at me, started laughing. He's like, "Well, I like to see that. I like to see. I like to see that, bud." <laughs>
0: right,
1: right. <laughs> so I went out and I did it. And then from there, man, I just knew the sky was the limit.
0: So did you know? No, you 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 definitely shook a lot of heads and surprised a lot of people. But you didn't surprise me because I had seen it. You had clocked four-three, four-four throughout your time in Maryland. So did you know? Fun fact for you. Uh, so did you know leading up to let's say it was 1972's NFL draft, there was only one tight end to ever be drafted ahead of you. He went fifth overall. He was out of University of Houston. Up until this past draft, Carl Kyle, Kyle Pitts from University of Florida, he ended up being drafted fourth. So you had a you had a great career in the National Football League, and to be drafted sixth overall as a tight end is a great feat. Only two other guys have been drafted higher than you in the history of the national football league. So kudos to you, man. You've had a great, great, great career. So you get drafted, you're in San Fran and uh, obviously you had some moments in San Fran, some legendary moments that everyone talks about. Uh, The first one I want to talk about is the catch, the catch three. Some dubbed it the catch three. Clearly the catch three, if you are, if you're fans of the 49ers, you understand Joe Montana, Dwight Clark was number one. Uh, to, to, T.O. Owens, His catch was number two. And let's talk about that catch uh, against the New Orleans Saints. It was 2011-2012 playoffs. Third and three, 12 seconds ago in the game. Can you, do you remember that play? Because I remember where I was and I was just as happy as you were when you caught that ball. Do you remember um, what was going in? What, what was happening in the huddle? Did you know when you the first read? What was going through your mind? uh before that play happened and what what actually did you know you were you were primed to make a big play during that time you know what that that whole I think that whole
1: during that time I knew I knew how much I started to think about all the things that we went through as a team and and from the start for me getting drafted to San Francisco I started even thinking about college days me and and to me, that was the work. That was the preparation that I had put in to get to, the, mm-hmm. to that moment, right? And I knew mm-hmm. how bad my teammates wanted, so I knew it was gonna it was gonna fall on my back. We we had put that play in in practice, and I had a feeling it was gonna be called. And when it was called, I just kept saying to myself, I said, you only get one shot. You only get one shot." It was that Eminem? It was like that Eminem song, yeah. just ringing in my mind. It was just going off in my mind over and over and over. And as a kid, it's it's you always want to make that 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 game-winning shot. It's nothing like that game-winning shot when everybody, you you make the shot and everybody's jumping on your back, lifting you up. And that's what happened, you know? It, it, it was a great moment for the San Francisco 49ers, for that team, uh, for myself. And that moment is something I'll always cherish. I'll never forget that moment because it'll, I'll, I'll relive that experience over and over because it, it's a once-in-a-lifetime experience. I mean, it's not every day you wake up and you're making that game-winning shot. And to me, that was that game-winning shot.
0: No, no no doubt. We like you like you mentioned as kids playing sports, we dream about making that big play at that big moment and you're the guy that everyone's screaming for and you become overwhelmed with tears. I remember watching it. I was in LA at the time. I watched every second of that game and when you caught that pass, when you scored, like I could I think I dropped a tear. I was so proud because I had seen you put in the work. I had seen how much of an influence you were to Bonte you know, to your community, the DC, I felt that I felt like I had caught the pass. So uh again, you had a, a, a lot of moments with, with the 49ers, Uh obviously the Mike Singletary issue, you know, can I ask you this? I've never asked you this before, but can I ask you this about the Mike Singletary issue? I know he kicked you out of the game. Uh He told you to hit the showers. Clearly that was embarrassing. It was humbling, all those different things. We've talked a little bit about it in the past, but what the hell did you do leading up to that? Because it, it, I never asked you that. Hold on, hold on. Before you answer, before you answer, if I'm a head coach, if I have one of my best talents of offense, if I remove him from the game, then in my mind, because I know what type of person, what type of player you were, uh, you know, you practice hard. You probably got kicked out of other practices. Please tell me what led up to that point. I know what happened during the game, but something had to happen before then. Look, man, I got to – I got to –
1: I got my Venmo and my Cash App ready for everybody who asked me a question about Mike Singletary. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna get rich off of this, man. Everybody wants to know what happened.
0: <laughs> hey, <laughs> you know what? I we'll we we'll, we'll talk about it offline there. We'll talk about it offline. So yeah, let's, no, no, let's, no. let's-
1: it was, um it was you you know, I was one of those guys that was just trying to figure it out, trying to find my way. And when I got in the league, I was yeah, I was excited. And I just I thought at the time everyone was doing these, doing these dances, they were spiking the ball, they were point to their back name. It was just a lot of that stuff. You know, Randy Marsh used to point to the back end. So it's just like, to me, I emulated those guys, and I wanted to be like those guys. So I I was all about me. I thought it was all about me, and I was doing, I was getting penalized, and when you get penalized, you're hurting your team, right? And Mm -hmm. Coach Tainter was a no-nonsense guy. He was old school. He was all about uh, leadership, putting the team first, and that's something I had to learn to do.
0: Yeah, so I, I've I, heard I, stories about him. I hit,
1: I hit one of the players. We we're playing the Raven. and I hit him under the chin, strapped, him, and I got a penalty. So I walk over to the bench. Coach Monter looked at me. He said, "Go take a shower." So I, said, <laughs> I, I looked at him. I'm like, I'm like Are you a "Coach," I said, "You gonna you gonna send me to the locker room for real? This 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 what we doing? That's wow." So then you know, I walked. Up, I just went on ahead because I looked in his eyes, and I said, "That man." If I say no, this man ain't gonna be ready to fight
0: me. So yeah, I, yeah, then, yeah. Then,
1: and, and that was it. The rest was history. You know what I mean. So, um, no, no,
0: it, it was definitely a you know anyone being in that position, it's a humbling position, and no one wants to keep talking about it. But mm-hmm. let's let's transition to the things you've done off the field. Uh, one thing I want to highlight about you is you've been a guy that's been able to amass a ton of success, mm-hmm. right? You you you're a Super Bowl champion. You're uh, uh, been to the Pro Bowl. You've you've been a part of some great moments with the San Francisco 49ers. And now let's switch gears and talk about off the field. I I know you have a a Bernie Davis foundation, the Reed 85 uh, foundation with, I read an article last year that you did. uh, You've touched, you've given over 500 books to children in the Washington DC area. um, Mm -hmm. And you've reached over 3000 of those kids. So shout outs to you because you've done a remarkable, a remarkable job of giving and uh, my question to you when it comes to, to giving and being a part of uh, the community, because if you live in D.C., you know all about you. If you live in D.C., they know March 12th. You know what March 12th is, right? Every year. But, March. Yeah, March. March Day. <laughs> yes. Vernon Davis Day. <laughs> so you've done that's the epitome of hard work on and off the field. That's the, that that is the the example of excellence. And, and you're a great influence for these kids here. My question to you is: What did that? What What does that passion come from? Of giving?
1: Yeah, I think the passion comes from just just my my life experiences. Everything that everything mm-hmm. that you see growing growing up as a kid, the things that hurt you, the things that make you happy, the things that you want in your life that you didn't have, or the things that you do that 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 you want to have. I mean, it's just it's just all of the, it's a combination of all of those things. And mm-hmm. to me, I always use those as tools to to help me get to where. You know I'm trying to go. And, and I'll never forget uh my past. That's something that's gonna always right. live with me. And I love it. I, I love that it's there because I know that without those things I wouldn't be who I am today. Without my mom, um if my mom was was without having my mom my mom not being as present in my life, uh, mm-hmm. my grandparents raising me, my my dad not being around all the time and um mm-hmm. uh the encounters that I had the negative incomes that I had as a kid growing up, right. all of those things has helped shape me into the man that I am today. I could have went this way, could have went that way, but I chose to, like I said, listen and and come by at this moment.
0: Yeah, that, that's great. A lot of a lot of men, a lot of people talk about it, but you actually do it. So again, hat goes off to you. So let's talk about your acting, right? Uh, I've never had a chance to. We've never had a chance to talk about it offline, but. When did that become a passion for you? When did you know, you know what, this is something that I'm interested in. I read an article uh, that you had done in the past about in high school, you were into the arts and you were, because it was, it was the cool thing to do. But in college, you pursued it you pursued the arts. You've carried it on uh, throughout your career. How has being an athlete, how has being a part of the arts, how has uh, being an actor kind of, of giving you that that ability to be a human generator, because honestly, I'm a one track pony. I can't do a ton of things that differ at different at at once. So how are you able to to keep that energy and keep that focus to to keep pushing forward?
1: So acting came about. I say around 2009. Um, mm-hmm. Suddenly, I had this this desire, this passion uh, for acting. A, a, a gentleman came up to me. He said, "Hey, you want to be in my movie?"
0: Um, I said yes, and he said, uh, "Can we can we use your house?" So were we you pursuing this? it? Were you pursuing it before then, or is it just like an encounter, an exchange, or experience that you just followed up with?
1: No, I didn't. I, it, I was always into the arts. You know, I had the art gallery, mm-hmm. and you know, I was just always passionate about art. And but they say art correlates in so many different ways. If you sure, but if, if you're an artist, you can probably become a poet. A poet, right? If you're a poet, you become mm-hmm. a right. It's just it's just it's the side of your brain that you're using, but. This guy came up to me, like, you wanna, can we use your house in the movie? I was like, yeah. And I, so I, I had a small role in the movie. And after that, I enrolled in a class at the Shelton Theater of Art. It was the prom class. After that, man, I just, I just fell in love with it. I said, I'm gonna continue to do this. I'm not gonna stop. And I just kept seeking roles. And then my next role after that was was Baywatch. I had a small role in Baywatch with The Rock, yeah. Order, um, with Ron Perlman, David Giasi, Frank Grillo. And I just, I just felt the passion for it.
0: That's that's great. So how do how does a guy like yourself? I'm sure you get because you've opened, because you're you're an actively working actor now. That transition from the NFL to acting has been seamless for you. How does a guy like you choose choose which roles to take and which to turn down?
1: Yeah, I think roles are just like like who who you are. Who are you as a person? Who do you how, what can you do? What can you deliver? Um, to a character, to a specific character, right? Um, right. how do you see yourself, right? You gotta you have to ask yourself those questions. Can you play a father? You probably can play a father. So that that a role playing a father in a movie would be ideal for you. You can play, can you play a janitor? Can you play a cop? Can you right. play a detective, right? You gotta ask yourself those questions. But then where it gets gets it can get crazy is those roles where you have to be telekinetic and you have to play a character who's always serious and and who who has to, um, um, I don't know, maybe who has to like, um, you know, scratch yourself all the time. And, and right, right. like, can you, can you open up? Can you, can you be vulnerable enough to play that yeah. character? Right. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that's all acting is just, how do you see yourself uh, in front of the cat in real life? You know what I mean? Can you, can, you gotta ask yourself that question? Can you do this in real life? And that's how I look at different characters and I can feel it. And at some point you start to feel it. You, when when you mm-hmm. read the script, you like, I gotta feel this character. You'll you start to relate to the to the character, and it's and it's awesome. It's an awesome thing. Uh, because that is a people always trying to figure it out. Like, how do you figure out which which character you wanna play? And 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 that's pretty much it. That's how you do it.
0: That that, that that's that's an interesting point. And I, I was really curious about all the things that I was gonna ask you. That was the one thing I was I wanted to know more about. So because of The one role, and I looked up a ton of different things that you did, and uh, one role stands out to me because of what you just said, was the movie you co-starred in, Hell on the Border. Uh, For those who don't know, it's about a true story about the first black U.S. deputy marshal west of the Mississippi. My question to you is, what inspired you to do the role and how did you prepare for it? Because that was a true story. So the things that you just mentioned, that's how do you prepare for a true story? I think I think um I think
1: uh a story is going to be a story regardless, the quill and, mm-hmm. and everything that you have to bring that you put in before the film starts is all the work, mm-hmm. right? It it's just scene by scene, just having an objective. If you have an overall if you're the lead character, you you know you always wanna have you have your overall objective and then you have your you have your um your scene objectives, right? Mm-hmm. And, and objectives all those all objectives are is just you being able to if, if you having an, an opinion about something, right? If you have a strong right, right. You have to know where you're coming from and where you're going, right? Right. right. Uh, if you have all those things in, in your toolbox, you can go out and you can have a great performance. But like I said, it's the work that you put in before the movie starts. Like it's like football, just like football. You we trained. Train.
0: That was going to be my next question. It's like, how has football, the traits you've learned from playing football, having a 14 year career? Okay, I got one for you. I got one for you. So if you could imagine this. Your 14 career that we talked about, Super Bowl winning champion, pro bowler, uh, you've been a part of some great moments playing. If you were to match up the next 14 years of your career acting, which would Vernon Davis be more proud of? The 14-year career acting or the 14 car- the 14 year career in the NFL? Uh that's
1: a that's a tough question because I feel like I feel like football was football was something that football wasn't something that i was natural in you know what i mean i had to work really mm-hmm. hard to to be successful at that sport you know i had to stay right. late after everybody went inside i was always out catching balls on the jug machine i was always working up running. running and th- during the off season i treated the off season better than i did treated the treated myself when i was in season you know i ate better uh I trained harder. I was always, I never took any days off. I would take off three weeks and i get back to work.
0: Oh, you know, I knew it. Most,
1: You know, most cases, most guys, they're not doing that to Quail. I mean, nah, look, nah. You, were, you were just like me, you, you've always put mm-hmm. the work in, you always grinding, but most, mm-hmm. most athletes, they're, they're taking off, they're traveling. But me, I've never, I never took off. I was always working. And um, that's one. that's how I treat everything else that I do. You know, when it comes to acting, like I'm, you know, I'm taking acting classes two, three times. I'm working with my acting coach two, right. three times, two, three times. So you, you have an active
0: schedule like you've been in the league, like you've always have. So you know, I, I commend that, and that that's something that a lot of people need to know. It's like how does someone like you become successful? You know what? You set a goal. I've heard you say you wanted to be in 400 films. You set a goal and you pursue that goal, and you and your pursuit of perfection of mastering your craft. go it transcends whether you're playing football or whether you're becoming an actor Mm -hmm. so uh i think that's i think that's a great tool i think that's great to for people to hear uh so along the lines of you being this great athlete and and, and getting into acting how have you been able to manage and how did you get into the business because i know the business aspect of investing i know you own multiple or five jumbo juices in northern california Mm -hmm. if i'm not mistaken I thought you were working with uh, Muhammad Sanu and bringing some jumbo juices here in, in DC. Uh, mm-hmm. Can you talk a little bit about your business experience and how can someone? How, how do you? How do you know what to invest in? Let's yeah. say
1: that. Well, I think knowing with the is like you, it's like what if you want something, you have to put yourself in the same atmosphere as those people, especially if you're trying to learn it, right? If I want to become a franchisee, then I'm gonna put myself around people who are franchisees, right? Mm-hmm. And, it's, and you learn, you just pick up information over time. And for me, I've been a sponge to knowledge and I take that and I seek it. And it has helped me. It's like one of those things where you, what you don't know will hurt you, what you know will help you. And that's right. what I am even. So. I like that. So business. So, so now going into anything, I know how, I know how important it is to have the right people around you when it comes to uh, doing this thing. So, so with Jamba Juice, I have a, I know that I have to have a, a fantastic district manager, right? want right. to put all, help me put all the pieces together that i need and now for me i have to really make sure i have a, a good accountant to oversee the numbers because i know that labor and produce are some of the, are, are the biggest ones biggest expenses that i'll have you know mm-hmm. labor and produce can be anywhere from 25 30 percent of your budget each wow. Both, wow. you know so you you have to really control those to really have a good outcome as far as as far as the revenue that you're looking for uh within the business and when it comes to, like, startups and, and, and investing in things, I, I have a structure that I stick by. Like you said, having a plan, having a structure. And my structure is uh, looking at companies that are are um, in the seed realm, right? But yes, not, yes. Not necessarily pre-seed, but seed. And, and the seed right. round, you know, you're looking at anywhere from, it can be $10, $14, 15000000 million, right, that the mm-hmm. company have based on their valuation. And that right there tells me that this company has momentum. I want. I want to get in. Get in this company. They seem to be really uh, doing some really great things. And then I want to look at the people that they have on, on their board. You know, their board mm-hmm. of advisors. Have they? Have anyone been successful? Have Have they had any exits where they sold to other companies? Have They have they uh, been on any other? huge companies that uh, were positioned, what was their role in that company? You know what I mean? I want to look at all those right, different right. variables. Right, so you, you're basically
0: doing your due diligence about everyone involved right. it, with this company within the seed route to know if, if it's legit or not, if it's something that you want to pursue.
1: Right, right. And then, then there's other things you could do too, like asking for uh, friends, friends and family discount. You know, you get in get in at a 20% discount, which hmm. which is good for you because it, it it's, it's better... It it makes you it's it's better for you as far as your percentage that you're you're gaining in that in that company. You you know what I'm saying? You getting that you get a discount. Yeah, a dis- yeah. it's always good to get a discount. But
0: uh those <laughs> right.
1: those, those are
0: different
1: <laughs> as you, you know, you you know what I'm saying? So just knowing what to ask and, and how to look at it, pretty much.
0: Amazing, amazing stuff right there, amazing stuff right there. I just learned a lot. So uh I have to ask you this, and I know you you have a busy schedule right now, so I'm gonna wrap it up pretty soon, but I have to ask you this. I've never asked you this, but what the hell was going on when you decided to do curling? Okay. Like, l- listen, listen, I, I don't, I know. Listen, listen, <laughs> listen, DC, there's lacrosse, there's, there's football, basketball, all these different things, but curling, I've never, listen, I respect everything you do, but curling was funny to me. I'm like, this dude is really curling. And I saw a video of you like gliding on the ice. I'm like, this dude has really good form. What went into that and how did you get involved with it? Hey man,
1: when I was um, when I was <laughs> I was in the locker room back in uh when I was playing for the 49ers, one mm-hmm. of the writers, beat writers came to me and said, Hey, you want to try the sport? And You're not afraid I, to do anything, are you? Nah, man, I, I take chances. <laughs> I, take, yeah, I, take, okay. I take chances, man. I've always taken chances <laughs> even as a kid. But I tried it the <laughs> quill and I went out and I was like, man, this is actually pretty cool. So the mm-hmm. U.S. curling team heard about it. And that's when they were
0: about what? To, yeah, they're about to go to Vancouver for for you know to compete. Yeah, you were honorary captain in like 2010 and like 2014, right? That's when they made me the
1: honorary captain. So I since then, man, I just been uh I've been with them, you know, every Olympics, every the last three Olympics I've been to with them, and and the very last one, which was in um which was in not Sochi, which is in Pyeongchang, they actually want uh, to go.
0: Really. Yes. Oh, you know what? You know what? You know, what? I remember that because the only reason I follow curling that year is because of you. I'm like, well, I got to pay attention to whatever he's doing, because whatever you touch turns into gold. I'm like, I got to follow. I got to follow my guy. Um, so uh, so this part of the show uh, is the first episode. So I'll see if it sticks or not. I like to do what I call rapid fire questions, a quick Q&A. But in this case, I have six because you're, you're special. You're the first guest. So I'm going to call it my quick six. So I'm going to ask you six questions and uh, you answer them the best way you can. Listen, they're all layups. Don't worry. It's nothing too crazy. I got some little, you know, some fun ones in there because, you know, we go back. We got history. So uh, because you're this like great athlete, because everything you touch turns into gold. What is Vernon Davis freakishly bad at? What are you bad at? Oh, man, I'm bad. I'm, I'm bad at cooking. Okay, okay, okay. That's fair. That's fair. Because I had one in mind. I'm like, uh, I see you play basketball, and okay, I'm gonna leave that alone. I'm gonna leave that alone. <laughs> all right, next one, layup. <laughs> next one, next one is layup. What's your favorite movie? My favorite movie of all time
1: is probably um, I'm gonna have to say. Um,
0: Thank you, time. I'm gonna say Boys in the Hood. Mm, okay, okay. That's a classic. That's a classic. That's a classic. Okay. Because you're from the because you're from the Washington, DC area, and we have some history with this, and you'll you'll realize it when I say the question. I'm not gonna set it up. RB, hip hop, or go-go music. Go-go. <laughs> I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. So <laughs> Hey, listen! I've only beat my feet with two people—you and Bonte, and I have a great time doing it, man. All right, you uh, okay? Okay. So, question number four: uh, Like most professional athletes, you come on, you get drafted, you get a ton of money. What's the silliest purchase or purchases you've ever made?
1: <laughs> man, I bought a—I bought an Escalade and put Lamborghini doors on it. <laughs>
0: what how did, how did they manage to do that? listen if you got the money to do it they do it all right i appreciate that i appreciate that uh I, I won't tell you what 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 my purchase is but i that's a topic for another discussion all right you're doing great uh question number five if you've ever known vernon uh if you you go if you were to google him right now you're going to see him suited and booted he's always got a tailor suit on so my question to you the number uh the fifth question is Taylor suits or athleisure wear? Oh man, I'm going with a
1: tailor suit all day.
0: Oh, I already know it, I already know it. But dog, no, stay suited and booted. Hey, <laughs> right, listen, as long as I've known you, I've either seen you in athleisure wear when we were working out or like right now, you, you got some production going on, we're not gonna talk about it. But if you're out, you step out in public, you're suited and booted. I, I need to get your tailors number two, by the way, uh, when we get <laughs> off of this. <laughs> so question number six. Okay, this is this is this is one that you may have to think about a little bit, but it's fun. It's all in good fun. Because of the pandemic and people had to like they, you know, uh, restaurants were shut down, amusement parks were shut down, the world basically came to a pause. Question number 6. What are three things that you cannot live without?
1: Oh, man, three things I can't live I'm going to have to say one, a chocolate brownie. I can't live.
0: <laughs> I can't, <Okay>. I
1: can't- <laughs> Chocolate brownie, man.
0: Wait, when did you eat chocolate brownies, bro? You're in the best shape of your life. What?
1: Man, let me tell you, man. That's, <laughs> hey, thats my biggest guilty pleasure, man.
0: I can't. Okay, live- okay, fair. That's I fair. I can't
1: live without. I can't live without my cell phone.
0: Mm-hmm. I can't live without. Oh man. So you have number one. You have uh, chocolate brownie. You have your chocolate- cell phone. Cell phone, and I'm um, uh, one more thing. I can't live without
1: my. Um, that's a good question.
0: Yeah, I you know? know. You got to think about it a little bit. It, 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 you know what I'm saying? When I, when I I still can't answer the question for myself. <laughs> I keep going back and forth. So I wanted to yeah, put you on it probably. Takes- I, can see you, I can see your third one being like health because you're in such great shape. You work out during the pandemic. You know, I followed you. Like we follow most of our good buddies. I saw you doing workouts with some of the teams from, from the media staff, from the D.C. area. So I figured, I, did you answer it? Or did, did I, I don't want to put words in your mouth. So would health be a good one, a good third option
1: choice? You know what, I'm about to say one thing I really enjoy doing. Like if I like this is this can be a serious question. Like, cause people people suffer through this, like amputation, having my like feet amputated or something like that, where I couldn't run. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I'm just, I'm just thinking outside the box because that could be something, right? I, right. I, I could live if I had if something like that happened to me. I don't think I can live because I have to run. Running for me is 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 everything man it's it like you said it's a health it has to do with my health um and it's easy for me it's something that i've incorporated in my life that's that helps me to stay fit
0: you know what i'm saying got it so got it, got if it. i had
1: to ride a bike or something like that i, I, I couldn't live i couldn't live without
0: me yeah no man. no i feel so i only got a couple more questions for you then i'm gonna let you go i know you got a busy schedule i have to ask this uh between you and bonte if 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 The for the people out there that don't know, Vontae was the first round draft pick of the Miami Dolphins. It's very rare that you have two siblings go first round and actually have star studded careers in the National Football League or any sport for that matter. Mm -hmm. What was the sibling rivalry like in your household between you and Vontae? Because I'm if like most, I'm a younger brother and I envied everything my older brother did, I wanted to be just like him. How was that? How did you manage that competition in your level between and your household between you and you and Vontae? You know what? Vontae and I never really had competition because I Mm -hmm. I think because he's four
1: years younger than me, Vontae Vontae didn't get good in football until he was in 11th grade.
0: Got it. Got it.
1: He didn't peak until 11th grade, but he never, he always supported me, always looked and he was always in awe, like watching us at university. Yeah. yeah, We never really had a, a competition. He was so much younger than me. Um, that it didn't even, we didn't even cross paths in that way.
0: Yeah, that, that that's interesting. But I'm sure Vontae would have a different take on that. I'm sure he was competing and you just didn't know because younger brothers look up to big brothers. Because I remember my uh, – it's not more so a, a competition story, but I remember my younger brother back – I was a long time ago. So my mother used to uh, – in the summertime, you know, school isn't in, in session. And my mother would tell us she would go to work from 8.30 to 4.30. And we had this basketball rim in our driveway. So all the neighborhood kids would come over and we would play basketball all day. That's how, I, that's how I developed that sweet jump shot. You know, you've seen it. i I've hit a few on you. Uh, but so one day, my brother decided not to like, let me go outside. I'm like, wait, what? Wait, mom is, and my brother was very obedient. I was too, but I was a more of a risk taker. And I, I never forget when, uh, Uh this has nothing to do with competing, but I don't know why I thought of this. But one day he tried he blocked the doorway, the front door, and not to try to not let me go outside. So, you know, me being me, I grabbed a toy, I grabbed a weapon, and I threatened to like hurt him. (laughs) And my brother, again, he's four years older than I am. And I never forget when that day happened, the competition between him stopped because he did not want anything to do with me after that point he was like this little dude is crazy whatever he wants to do I'm going to let him do and get in trouble but that's my little rant about my little life but Vernon I want to get you out of here I really appreciate your time and your perspective I love you as a brother man keep doing what you're doing you've been a great influence to myself and a lot of other people that's taking notice so thank you again for being part of the first episode of Athletes Unplugged shout out to you brother I appreciate, I appreciate it you, cheers man i